The following is a paid program. The content has been provided by Jupiter Well Services. WFDL at staff management and ownership are not responsible for the content. Some of the opinions and endorsements provided herein were in exchange for compensation from Jupiter Well Services. The following is a paid program. The content has been provided by Carter Mansback. WMEN at staff management and ownership are not responsible for the content. Some of the opinions and endorsements provided herein were in exchange for compensation from Carter Mansback. The information provided during the show is intended for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual. It is suggested that you consult with your tax, legal, and or financial services professional regarding your individual situation. The views expressed may not necessarily reflect those of Investicorp Incorporated. This is Word on the Street with Carter Mansback. Good morning. Good morning, South Florida. Cloudy day here, overcast, and everyone else around the country who may be listening. So uh, right off the bat, I'm going to introduce myself. My name is Carter Mansback. I am with Jupiter Wealth Strategies. My show is called Word on the Street. It's an interesting thing. I've been on the radio for quite a while, and this is my first show on uh, 640. And when you sign up to do a show about the stock market, you really never know what you're going to get. You know, so Friday, yesterday, uh, the day before my first show ever, the market decides to drop by over 3%, 600 points on the Dow. So you really never know what you're going to get. It's an interesting phenomenon. I love it. That's one of the things I love about what I've been doing for the last 25 years. The insanity of it, the ups and downs of it, and really navigating through it. And that's what we're going to discuss today. So I'll give you a little background. I, I started in this business in 1991. I grew up in New York City in Brooklyn. Proud of that. Uh, went to school at Stony Brook, uh, which is a great school. Top 50 nowadays. I uh, studied psychology which I didn't expect to be on Wall Street at first, but studying psychology, to be honest, is probably the greatest advancement in getting ready for this business, probably better than studying, studying economics. So I graduated in 91, went to Wall Street, and really the rest is history. I spent my first 10 years there, and uh, it was um, I learned a lot. Learned from amazing salesmen. I learned what to do, what not to do. Uh, so my company's called Jupiter Wealth Strategies. We're located up in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, I deal really in two different types of portfolio management. I'm going to try to make this as fun as possible because I listen to other shows. They're really boring, so I'll make it fun. Uh, I'm on sports radio, so there's definitely sports analogies in my, uh, in my, in my show and what I do because everything always goes back to sports. So I, look, I really have two portfolios that I look to manage. One is income and one is growth. The income part is I look for large cap companies with a nice yield, anywhere from 3 to 5%. Usually I buy companies that are out of favor, like IBM in the beginning of the year at 128, when everyone thought it was done, or McDonald's a couple of years ago when everyone said that no one was eating fast food again. And I look around in Walmart, and it seems like everyone is eating fast food nowadays. So I wasn't really concerned about it. Everyone's like all about Chipotle, Chipotle, and organic, and McDonald's has gone from 80 $88 up to uh, north of 125 because Americans, everyone around the world will always eat crap because that's what we know. And it tastes good, to be honest. So that's the income aspect of it, which I find less volatile, less difficult to manage. Really where my level of expertise has been and is, is growth. And but investing in growth companies is probably the most difficult 
task on the planet because I like to say companies, small cap, mid cap companies, up and coming companies, they're like teenagers. And I have teenagers, so I know all about them. They're volatile. They move. They do stupid things early on in their lives. But if they have the right format, the right growth potential, that's where you can make a fortune of money. And just to take you back three years ago, I bought a company that was $28 a share. It had gone from 45 down to 28 And I felt that it was a major, a major potential. It had major, major potential and could be a double, triple, quadruple. So I bought at 28. The stock went down to 17. My clients were mad. They told me I was wrong. Everybody told me I was wrong. The front page of the Wall Street Journal told me I was wrong. CNBC every single day three years ago told me I was wrong. And really what separates me from everyone else is what I do is it's very old school. I don't think it happens too often. And I'm sure whoever's listening, their financial advisor, stockbroker, whatever, does not do this. And what I do is I, for lack of a better word, I infiltrate companies. I get to know management. I kick the tires. I call competitors. I call employees. I really dig deep to find out what's going on with companies. So the company that I'm talking about that went from 45 to 28 where I bought it, wrote it to 17, angry clients, hostile, I suck, I'm going to fire you, was a small company back then called Facebook. And what was going on back then was the company came public. It was a train wreck of an IPO, and people were getting killed. So what I did was I went on a mission. I was like, I will speak to the management of this company one way or the other. So I, ma I managed to get through to the CFO of the company, not Sheryl Sandberg, but the, the man who was before her. And in my conversation, I was like, what the hell's going on with you guys? You know, you have so many people at the time, probably a billion people, maybe 900 million people on the site. Everyone was using it. Why can't you monetize? And what he said to me was two things. Number one, he said, Carter, we know everything about you. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, if I look at your Facebook right now, I know you wear Under Armour. I know you surf. I know you ski. I know you play football. I know you play basketball. You're an NBA guy, an NFL guy. You are the ultimate in what advertisers are looking for. So where money spent on advertising nowadays, where it's on television, you know, you watch a commercial. Are you necessarily going to go out and buy a pair of Jordans because you saw a commercial? Maybe. Are you going to be at a NASCAR race and see a car going around the track at 200 miles an hour and see a, you know, a gas company on there and go get gas at that station because you saw it? Probably not. What Facebook had and has is information that no one has, more information than anyone has. So he said to me, look, we know everything about you, but more importantly, we want to make this transition from a fun, cool website to something that could make a fortune for shareholders over time. He said, he said at the time, and again, this is three years ago, and remember, everyone hated this company three years ago. Front page of the Barron's newspaper, thumbs down, $8 price target. Stock's now 112 okay? So everyone hated the company. So what he said was, if we wanted to right now, because advertisers are so excited about getting on Facebook and advertising, we could flood the site and we could go from, you know, 5 billion to 25 billion overnight. However, we don't want to ruin the experience. We want it to be sort of a slow and steady kind of deal. So Facebook finally uh, started ramping up about three summers ago. It was one specific quarter. Stock went from like 25 to 35 and the rest is history. And now it's 112. Okay. So, you know, you, you look at that 
and you say to yourself, wow, how could I have gotten involved with a company like that? Now, when you, th- when you look at, when you look at what, you know, what you're looking for when you're investing, I say that, like, let's go straight into a sports analogy. You know, the greatest hockey player on the history of the planet said, you're not, you're not going to be where the puck is. You want to go where the puck is going. And that's exactly where the way I look at life in this business. You're gonna, when you buy companies that are out of favor or companies that are up and coming, you're going to go through pain. You're going to look at your portfolio from time to time and be like, damn, I'm down. This sucks. But if you're in the right names and you're patient, that's how you make a lot of money in the stock market. You know, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into some of the companies that I'm looking at. I just want to right off the bat get a little, you know, put into a little bit of a sports analogy when it comes to the types of things I'm looking at. So when you look at growth, there's two great sports growth companies. One is Under Armour. One is Nike. Nike, I started buying in 1991 when Michael Jordan in 92 first went to the Olympics. He changed the entire, the entire business of advertising. So you look at Nike, well-established company, best of breed. I'm wearing Nikes right now. I go to the, I go to the basketball court. Still 90% of the people, uh, kids are wearing Nike. Uh, Nike uh, is doing you know, $8 billion a, a quarter in business. So I look at Nike, much like you know, their biggest sponsor, which is uh, LeBron. You know, we know LeBron's great. We also know that he's, I believe, 31 years old. He's been playing for a really long time, and he's probably got like four or five years left at best. Under Armour, on the other hand, is like Curry, relatively young, great upside. The company did a billion in business last quarter, so they have a much wider growth prospect. So you look at Under Armour versus Nike. Nike's the the, the LeBron, the old school guy that you know is good, you know will perform, you know will give you a triple-double a bunch of times over the season. He may not be a closer, but that's for another show. Uh, but Curry's young, and Curry has amazing potential. So when you look at those two, which one do you want to invest in? Nike's a stalwart. It's been around for, I don't know what that word is, but it's been around for a long time. Great company, pays a dividend. Under Armour's got the potential for upside. So, you know, basically, those, that's what I look for. I'm not looking to buy Nike at this point. I'm looking for younger companies. So we're going to take a break here. When we get back, I want to talk about Brexit. I will explain it the best that I can, what Brexit means. We're also going to open up the show to phone calls. The number, if you want to call in, get a pen. It's 844-640-6464. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Word on the Street with Carter Mansback. I am out here for you. You don't know what it's like to be me out here for you. It is an up-at-dawn Pride swallowing siege that I will never fully tell you about, okay? Help me. Help me help you. Help me help you. Alright, we're back. Help me help you. That little sound bite right there is sound bite to my clients. Like you'll never truly know what we go through in this business. Uh, so, okay, we're back. So if you're joining me for the first time, my name is Carter Mansback. I'm with Jupiter Wealth Strategies. The name of my show is Word on the Street. What we're looking to cover here is the market, the emotions of it, the fear, the greed. You know, in times like this, I, all I love to discuss is fear and greed because first people are fearful that whatever money they have, they're going to lose. And then some point that fear turns to greed when the market starts going up and you're like, oh, my God, you know, it's that you need to buy. You know, it's a very interesting phenomenon. Uh, from a psychological perspective, that when the market's going good, 
everyone you speak to is like, oh, I'll wait for a pullback. And when the pullback happens, then I'll buy stock. Then the pullback happens, like yesterday, and we dropped 600 points. And everyone's like, oh, my God, the market's crashing. It's the worst day ever. Everyone take a break and relax. And let me, let me start by saying this. In 25 years of doing this, never a day in my career, not one day, even in the roaring 19, 1990s, never was there one day that I couldn't have told you something terrible is going on in the world. Whether it was the Asian contagion in the early 90s, the internet bubble, the oil bubble, uh, you know, you name it. Europe falling apart, you know, one and a half years ago, everything was terrible. Now we have the keyword hashtag Brexit. I'm not going to make any attempt to truly explain what Brexit is, but I'm going to tell you my thoughts on it, okay? From what I understand, England wants to leave the EU. The voting was very interesting. I mean, imagine in America the, the ability for a massive vote on anything outside of an election. Just the thought of it is disgusting and scares me because any, any country that could vote for George W. Bush twice— I can't depend on any of that to be in an election, okay? And I'm not political. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I, I've, I've really—politics is just ridiculous to me. But George Bush, twice, and you're going to let random people vote. So it turned out that the vote, the way it played out, people over 60, 65, who may not be even around for a lot of this mess, they voted in favor, and every, all the young generation uh, voted to— Remain. The older people voted to leave. But this is my take on it. Number one, from what I understand, this is not going to play out for years. So what, I, what I'm saying to you is if this is not going to play out for years, the panic shouldn't be so bad. I understand that the euro got crushed. And I'm not saying the market's not going to go lower because the old expression, which you'll hear on CNBC every day, is going to be the market hates uncertainty. Everything's uncertain all the time. I walk out of my house, it's uncertain. I'm coming back to my house. Everything is uncertain all the time. There's never a, a time where the market is certain, whether it's your individual stock, whether it's the market. You don't know what you're going to wait up to. Wake up to. The, the the worst thing about this this what happened on Friday was the 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 move going into it. The market was up about 450 points for the eight days prior going into this Brexit vote. And the bookies, for some reason, everyone believed the bookies that the bookies said that they were going to remain and not leave. So everyone was betting that it was going to work out. And let me be clear about the fall of 600 points. While it sucks and you definitely lost money on Friday, also the market was exactly where it was today after the 600-point drop, nine days ago. So while it feels disgusting, nine days ago the market was exactly the same place as it is today. So am I concerned about it? Yeah, I am. Do I think the market goes lower? Sure, it's very possible. Probably the path of least resistance, being that it's the summer, being that it's not going to be a quick fix, uh, I believe the market could go lower. But what is what happens during that time? What happens is we get opportunity. So my view of it is the game goes on. Now, what, I mean, what do I mean by the game goes on? The game of money printing, the game of low interest rates goes on. And think about this logically. The 10-year dropped to one point, I believe, 6%, 1.55%. With rates being low, number one, you could buy a house for cheap. Number two, you could borrow for cheap, whether you're borrowing for you know, a loan or whatever. Not, not just us, but also for 
The um, also for, you know, b- borrowing for numerous amount of things, but mostly I'm th- talking about corporate America. Corporate America can now borrow to buy out other companies, and you see over the last couple of months, just massive takeovers. LinkedIn getting bought out by Microsoft and so on and so on and so on. There's so many takeovers almost every single Monday. But I wanted to say to you that when the dust settles, you have to you have to look at two things. Okay. Number one, there's an old expression. It says bull markets are born on pessimism. So the bull market was born in 09 when the market was at 6,600 and everyone was ready to kill themselves and said the, the country was going to crap and everything was done. So the bull markets are born on pessimism. They grow on skepticism. So they grow up getting better and better and better over like over the last six years and everyone's skeptical. They mature with optimism. And I think over the last few months, outside of everyone who's so Republican, okay, the, the, the Republican side is like, we're not, we should not be optimistic. But the truth is, coming from where we were in 2009, we should be optimistic. The banks are on solid ground. Corporate America's, corporate America's um, balance sheet is pristine. The jobs numbers have dropped dramatically. Uh, and we're actually growing. Are we growing like we could or should? No, but we should be more optimistic than we were. So bull markets are born. Bull market for people who are listening to the radio for the first time or don't know a lot about the market, bull markets are good markets. So bull markets are born on pessimism, they grow on skepticism, they mature with optimism, and they die with euphoria. And I could clearly tell you that we haven't been even close to euphoric. I've lived euphoric. I lived 1999, straight up, you know, internet euphoria. I lived 07, oil at 150, everything's amazing euphoria. This is not euphoric, okay? This is... Still scary. So I think what that does is it puts us back into keeping rates low. So you you have a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, ten million dollars. You're going to put it in the bank and get you know three tenths of five tenths of one percent, or you're going to buy Verizon and get four and a half percent, or buy you know any of the large cap pharmaceuticals paying four percent. What are you going to do? So the money will always come back to the market. What I we, we're going to take a break in a few minutes, but what I'm going to leave you with here is stocks are on sale. So you have a company that you love, whatever it is, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, you know, large cap, Pfizer, whatever. All of a sudden, that same company that you love, the company hasn't changed, but it's down 10 15% over the next few weeks. Make a list of companies that you love. Make a list of these companies. Pick prices that you want to own. And, and then get ready to buy. Because you want to buy them on sale. Again, you're looking at an individual stock. Oh, my God, I get Amazon stuff to my house every day. I use Amazon Prime. I have Amazon uh, you know, on- online. I'm watching movies. Stock's down like $45, $50. This is when you start to look at Amazon. Netflix has gone from $130 to $89. You use the Netflix every day of your life. Netflix is going into China. Netflix is going into Europe. This is when you go shopping. So for me, instead of being frightened and afraid, you go out and you go you go shopping. You make a list. If you don't have a list, that's what I'm here for. You call me and you say, where's your list? I want your list and I want to invest with you and I want to make money. So we're going to take a break, okay? I, I'm opening up the phones. I'd love for you guys to call in. The number is 844-640-6464. When we get back, I'm going to take your calls. I'm also going to spoke, focus on a couple of small mid-cap names that I'm involved with, give you the background on these companies as well. And uh, I look forward to hearing your calls. Again, the number is 844-640-6464. We're going to put on some nice classic rock music for you guys to chill out to. And we'll be back right after this. 
The following is a paid program. The content has been provided by Carter Mansback. WMEN at staff management and ownership are not responsible for the content. Some of the opinions and endorsements provided herein were in exchange for compensation from Carter Mansback. The information provided during the show is intended for general information purposes only. It is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual. It is suggested that you consult with your tax, legal, and or financial services professional regarding your individual situation. The views expressed may not necessarily reflect those of Investicorp Incorporated. This is Word on the Street with Carter Mansback. All right, we're back. So if you're driving in your car, you just put on your radio and you're like, who's this Jewish-sounding New Yorker with the kind of nasally voice? My name is Carter Mansback. I'm with Jupiter Wealth Strategies. So we're talking about the market. We're talking about Brexit. Thing in the, in the last segment on Brexit is go shopping, make a list, find what you love, and look for them on sale. If you have stocks with amazing gains, the market could definitely have downside from here. And if there is downside from here, you, you want to take some profits. There's nothing wrong with that. It seems that the froth in the market has been primarily in the large cap for the last year or so. So companies, like I always say there's needs versus wants. So the wants, you want a Tesla, you want an iPhone. Things like that have been out of favor. The needs, like you need toilet paper, you need uh, health insurance, you need uh, prescription drugs, those stocks have been in favor. So you have stocks up 50, 100, 200%. Take some losses, take some gains. Nothing wrong with that. You know, Raise some cash, put a little money on the table, but definitely be ready to buy. Because this is not the end of the world. This is not the beginning of the end of the world. And um, I think it's important that people keep their heads on straight again, realizing that this drop of 600 points just takes us back to where we were eight weeks ago. And, and fear is where greed should come in instead of just being fearful. So I, um, I'm opening up the, the phone lines. Everyone seems very shy because I know a lot of people are following the show, both on um, Twitter, Facebook, Periscope. If you'd like to call in, and not be shy. The number is 844-640-6464. Pretty easy. 844-640-6464. So I have some questions from Periscope. For those of you guys who don't know what Periscope is, it's a Twitter product that um, that you could stream live from anywhere to anyone. Facebook Live has it too, but just to diss Facebook right now, it's not working. But Periscope is. Hats off to Twitter. So let me let me take a couple of uh, individual stocks, and I'm going to get into the names that, a couple of names that I want to talk about that I'm involved with. So, first one I'll get into is Fitbit. Okay, so I owned Fitbit. I actually made money on Fitbit, and honestly, for me, I have no interest in Fitbit whatsoever. The company is to me like Crocs. It's one of those things that in 10 years from now we're going to look back and be like, you wore a Fitbit. Like, it's embarrassing. Fitbit has a great product. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the product, but my issue with Fitbit is the company was growing at 250% year over year. Now it's only 50%. My wife and I both have a Fitbit that is collecting dust in the drawer. I think I used it for a week because I really didn't care how many steps I took. And there's so much competition in the field. There's, there's dollar for dollar Fitbit uh, companies, meaning that have the same exact product. And of course, there's the Apple Watch, which I believe in the next couple of years, you're going to see the Apple Watch really gain traction as it becomes separate from the iPhone. I think that 
right now because it's just an accessory for the iPhone. I think that it's not doesn't have the strength that it will, but I believe one day it will. So Fitbit, look, it's it's cool. They sell. I know that when I owned it, I got lucky because right after I bought it, Target bought it for their entire workforce. So they were keeping track and all that, but I just feel like it's fatty. And can they get bought out? Can Apple buy them or something? Yeah, sure. Why not? So I'm just not interested in it. It doesn't excite me really at all. Uh, that's Fitbit. Chipotle. So I found Chipotle... Wow, got to be 12 years ago. Stock was trading at about 40. It ran up to like 250. I got out. It proceeded to go to 700. So Chipotle has quite a few issues right now. Number one, their revenues have not only have they stopped growing, they've slowed down dramatically. Last quarter, their revenues went from, uh, what is this number? Let's say 10 billion to 8 billion. So 23% revenue drop which is dramatic. Chipotle's been a rock star. You know, they've been opening stores. They've been opening in the malls. I think the drop last quarter had a lot to do with, you know, people getting sick from their food. But I think just it, it's almost faddish. I mean, look, Chipotle's crowded. It's a good company, and it will be viable. There's no question. I mean, I've seen Chipotle over the last several years, you know, have amazing runs. So the stock went from 50 to 350, 400, then it went down to 280, great opportunity to buy, and then the stock topped out at 750. So I, I like Chipotle. I think there's a place for it. A lot of people don't know Chipotle was a spinoff of McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's should have kept them, uh, but they spun them off. Stock came public, had a great run. Chipotle's a great company. I just feel like not yet. Uh, Under Armour. Under Armour is one of my favorite companies. Under Armour at this point. Now, when I started getting involved with Under Armour, and my clients will vouch for me, it was they were doing $400 million a year in business. Now they're doing $4 billion. They were only being worn by the, uh, the people who were in crazy good shape, muscle guys. I mean, the guy invented it because uh, Philip, Philip, not Philip, uh, why am I having a blank? I'm, I'll get back to you on this name. Plank, Kevin Plank. Kevin Plank invented this, the company because he was a football player at Maryland. Shout out to the Terps. Um, he, uh, he played, he played football and he didn't want to sweat so much under his football uniform, borrowed 10 grand from his mom or grandma, his mom, and the rest is history. But I watched Under Armour go from nothing to something. But to go back to the first thing I said when I got on here about the volatility of owning companies that are up and coming, I watched Under Armour go from 16 to 80. And a lot of people don't realize this, not forget about splits. It went from 16 to 80 to six. Okay, so if you went through it, let's say you bought it at 25 on the way down, you, you held that thing to six. Had you held on to it, it adjusted for splits, it went back to, let's say, $200 a share. Okay, so again, it's patience. I think Under Armour is now a much more mature company. They're, they're on their feet. They're not flailing. They have, everyone has issues from time to time. They lost a couple of people in management. Uh, they've had slight issues. Every company has issues throughout time. But Under Armour, to answer the question, I like, I love Under Armour when the stock's under pressure, and it has been. So Under Armour topped out, uh, let's say, okay, here we go. It topped out in, oh, that's not right, hold on. It topped out recently at, on uh, April 22nd at $48. It's now 38 so the stock's gotten hammered. It's down whatever it is, 25%. And I think there's opportunity there. Really like Under Armour. But, you know, I think that if you're looking for a company that's going to give you two, three, four-fold possibilities, 
I'm not sure Under Armour is that name anymore, but it was. Okay, if you guys want to call in, 844-640-6464. Okay, uh, so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go into my a couple of individual names that I like, uh, both high beta growth companies. They're not necessarily uh, for everybody. You know, if you're 95 years old and you want income, you know, go, go, go find some bonds. But if you're looking for some growth, I got two stories for you, both extremely volatile, both out of favor, and I think both have amazing upside. Now, again, in the beginning of the show, and again, if you're just joining me, my name is Carter Mansback. We're talking about the market, talking about individual stocks. What I told you was the difference between me and the rest of the planet, people, what they do in this business, your, your stockbroker, your financial advisor right now either uses some type of mathematical formula that's given to them by their, uh, their corporation. So they come in. You come in, you're 45 years old, you make 200 grand a year, you have a half a million to invest. They put it into some cool calculator. Okay. They have, okay. They, they have some cool calculator they put it into and either, you know, and they give you your portfolio. I like to really dig in deep with companies. I will meet with management. I will get to know management. I will call the competitors. I will go to the companies often. I will kick the tires, you know, walk in the building, see the morale, see what's happening, see what the philosophy is, try to understand the company from the inside out. So I'm going to talk about two companies. One is GoGo and one is Twitter. Now, if, you, if, you've been on, if you've been on a plane in the last several years, you have probably attempted to use internet. So what, when we invest in the market, what exactly are we doing? Are we investing in yesterday? Are we investing in today? Or are we investing in the future? I say 90% of it is tomorrow, the future. What's coming? Not what is and not what was, but what's coming. Okay, so what I what I will tell you is you look at GoGo. GoGo seven years invented the concept of Internet on the plane and they started outfitting planes seven years ago. They have twenty five hundred commercial jets and seven thousand private jets. Now, the product that they. The product that they they came out with was seven years ago was a satellite tower on the a tower on the ground that shot up to the planes and back then six seven years ago it worked great because there wasn't much to do all you could do back then is go on google yahoo you could check your email there was no netflix there wasn't streaming video there was not youtube especially to the extent that it was so back then it worked great over the last seven years the internet has changed very rapidly and when you go on gogo traditionally the product isn't very good However, if you're a businessman and you're traveling across the country or you're on a flight for two hours or across the world, you need connection. So while the product isn't very good right now and GoGo's name is somewhat mud, you have to look at what's happening in reality for the company. And what's happening is their future is satellite. So what's going on is they invented, they, they created a new product that's called 2KU. Uh, I shouldn't say they invented it, but 2KU is a satellite product that makes internet on the planes dramatically faster. So when you get on the plane over the next 12 to 18 months, the new GoGo is going to be like sitting in your living room and the take rate's going to go up dramatically because right now the take rate's about 6% and that's usually business people. And you know, you you get me personally I get on a plane I have to be connected. Uh, your kids with Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter or whatever, they have to be connected. So what's going to happen right now, GoGo has 2,500 planes, 
2,500 commercial jets around the world, 7,000 private jets, and they have 1,250 planes in their backlog that are going to be putting on this new technology. If you fly Air Canada right now, or you fly Aeromexico right now, you could do everything you do at home with GoGo's new technology. So again, is GoGo's pro current product good? No. It's sluggish. It's slow. People complain about it. However, they're outfitting these new products, these new these planes, with the new product. It's like dial-up going to high speed. So AOL was amazing in the mid-90s, and then all of a sudden it sucked and it went to high speed. AOL wasn't smart enough to go with the program. GoGo was. So GoGo's stock has been battered. The stock is in the $8 range. It's the lowest it's been since it came public. And while the company has been struggling, um, rolling out this new technology, they've been growing every single quarter over 20% year over year since the company came public. Last four quarters, 22%, 22%, 26%, and 23%. So it's a great revenue story while they go out and they, and they have the ability to uh, upgrade all of their systems, get people, you know, real-time, being able to watch Netflix and whatever, YouTube in the air. So, again, GoGo's past is 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 that they had they came out with this they came up with this concept gogo's present is that it's slow and everyone's complaining about it but gogo's future is all about high speed internet in the plane like and that to me is the final frontier of internet outside of remote areas in this country and other countries but in the air every single plane and there's 30,000 planes around the world will be outfitted with internet and it's not just internet it's also live tv it's um it's movies. It's actually the plane itself being upgraded for technology. Because a plane nowadays, when they land, they're checking the they're checking the brakes, they're checking the tires. Companies like GoGo are starting to put sensors on these planes, and what they're doing eventually is they're going to um, you know set it up where the sensors will tell you before you have the opportunity to to land, so the planes are out of production quicker. And, you, you know, you land, they know you need a tire, you need brakes, whatever the case may be. So GoGo's trading at $8 a share. Again, it's a high beta, aggressive stock. I think the company has amazing potential. We're going to take a break in a couple of minutes. But I, let me say one last thing, and this is a little deeper that, uh, on GoGo that you should, if you're not a market guy, you may not understand. But GoGo has a very large short position. Over 37% of the entire company is short. And what that means is people are betting against the stock. So let's take a, a, a guy who's buying a stock. Let's say you buy a stock, 1,000 shares at 10. It goes to 12. You made two points. You want to sell that stock to make your two grand. The way you profit is you sell the stock. You make two grand at $12 a share. You sell it. You're done. On the short side, if you short it, let's say, at 12, and it goes to 10, you made two bucks, and the way you make that money and monetize that investment and take the money and run is by buying it back. So because there's so many shares short on GoGo, the company comes out with some positive news. The stock gets momentum. There are so many shares short on the stock that it has the ability to move very quickly. If you have questions on the company or on any companies, you can call me at my office. Again, my name is Carter Mansback. My number is 561-290-9400. Uh, uh, we're going to take a break, okay? After the break, I will give you one more stock to take a look at, and I want to follow up on Brexit, concerns, fears, and all the things you have to uh, concern yourself with, you know, going forward, you know, 
being in this volatile market. So we'll take a break. When we get back, we'll talk. My final stock I'll talk about, which is one for the ages, volatile, crazy, front page of every newspaper on CNBC almost every single day. We'll get into that, and then we'll uh, talk about Brexit one more time, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Word on the Street with Carter Mansback. Opportunity sees everything you ever wanted. One moment that you capture, just let it slip. All right, we're back. So uh, I had a question on Twitter. Uh, so I'm going to talk about it for a second. So a company just came public the other day called Twilio. I'm not going to even attempt to say I know much about it. I know it has to do with apps and software. I know the revenues went from 33 million to 59 million, which is a 78% revenue growth. Came public at 15 on Thursday. Stock hit 28.75, and now it's 26.30. I will say it's simply like this: when a company first comes public, it's like a horse being born. It's volatile. It's weak. Its legs are shaky. You don't know if it's going to turn into a stallion or it's going to turn into some, you know, up-and-coming next Microsoft. You just don't know. So that being case, I would wait, be patient, and let it play out. Yeah. So it, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, Twilio is an interesting company for me uh, because it's in the right space. But you got to wait. One of the things I like about IPOs is they just received a huge sum of cash. That money is going to be used to grow the company. It's like if I gave anyone else money. I believe we have a caller. Am I right? What's the name of the caller? We have Joseph on line one. All right, we have Joseph on line one. This is Joseph from jo Brooklyn. How are you? Joseph, good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. I just had a quick question for you. Sure. I was listening to you this morning. You sound great. Thank you. Um, so as someone kind of coming into some money now and thinking of investing it, I know it's all tall right now with everything going on in Europe. Anyone, do you think it's a good idea to invest money right away or to see things settle a little bit or take advantage of things? It's a great a question. Advice, it's a great question. That's my hometown, Brooklyn. I miss it every day. I miss, the I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too, bro. I miss the pe I miss the people. I miss the food. Uh, but anyway, so let me uh, let me give you my opinion. So look, this is, if I had a lump sum of money, first of all, I wouldn't put it all in at once. This Brexit thing is is meaningful. The mean I don't believe it's the beginning of the end of the world and we're going to crash fifty percent. So I think if you're coming into the market new right now. You want to kind of slowly get into it. To answer the question for you generally is not easy because I, I said, you know, I don't know everything about you. I don't know your risk tolerance and all that. So I guess what I'm saying to you is that if you want, you know, what you want to do is you want to come in slowly. If you want to make it easy, you could just pick a great, you know, if you're a younger guy, a great growth mutual fund and slow put it in like on the 15th of every month let's say for argument's sake you had a hundred grand you take the next 10 months you put in you know 10 grand a month into a good growth mutual fund or an etf uh, which is exchange traded fund maybe into like the nasdaq 100 if you want to buy individual stocks and you do something else for a living call me and then i'll help you out and my number in my office is 561-290-9400 do you have any individual stock questions 
Okay. We're out. Okay, good. All right, so let's get back. Uh, so we, I, I touched on Twilio. Joe, thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate it. Okay, so let's talk about Twitter, okay? I only have like four minutes, and it won't be easy, but I'm going to just put it to you like this. Started off part of my show talking about Facebook and how I bought the stock at 28. It went down to 17. My clients were ready to hang me in the town square, throw rocks at me. And it ended up being a major winner. And what I was looking at with Facebook was the future, not the present. And what I will say about Twitter is this. Twitter's had its issues. I will not deny that. They're, they've had management changes. They've had people quit. Uh, but all the while, the company has gone from zero to two, a run rate this year of $2.5 billion in business. And that's five years. And if you and I worked at Twitter and it wasn't public and we weren't emotional about the stock price every day, we would be like, wow, our company just went from zero to $2.5 billion in business. Their revenues last quarter went from $435, $435 million to $594 million. That's a 36% increase in revenues, which I'm sure any company out there would love to have. They have their issues, okay, because they're smaller than Facebook. Their, Facebook to Twitter is basically like this. Facebook is the big brother that, ha, that gets straight A's. Twitter is the younger brother that gets B's and C's, and even if they get an A, it's never good enough. So I'll give you my, my bullish case on Twitter in, in the next few minutes that I have, and it goes like this. Most importantly to me is you cannot put on TV, radio, uh, anything without hearing the word hashtag at sign Twitter. Twitter has become a very important part of the fabric of our country. You hear every day on CNN, ESPN, whatever, tweet me at, this guy tweeted that. It has overrun governments. It's that powerful. It's a medium that when you're comparing Twitter to Facebook, there's 300 million people on Twitter, 1.5 billion on Facebook. The difference is on Facebook, what we have is you know people posting pictures of their family, which is all good, of what they had for lunch, what, what their kid accomplished or didn't accomplish. Twitter is, is for a really high-level, educated consumer that wants to know what's going on in the world. They also have Periscope, which is just starting up. It's a year in, and Periscope is a very, very powerful medium. The bottom line for me is that the bottom line for me is that Twitter has such a powerful reach, and I believe that the current management, which is a whole new team, Number one, Twitter it has a, a new board New board members. The chairman of the board is a guy by the name of Omid Kadashini. He was the eighth employee at uh, Google, and he's on a mission to get the company right. The CEO has come back from being fired after uh, starting the company. His name is Jack Dorsey. While Jack Dorsey was fired, he came in and started a small company called Square. Needless to say, the guy's, a billion, the guy's a brilliant guy starting two multi-billion dollar companies in such a short period of time. He's been back for about seven months. He is putting his fingerprint on the company, and the stock is so out of favor and so unloved, and everyone's got so the wrong way to, you know, to look at it that I think that, I think that you look at a company that Wall Street— one of the most important things about Twitter is that Wall Street— loves it. And what I mean by that is Wall Street doesn't love the stock, but they love the product. Everyone I know on Wall Street, including myself, uses this product day in and day out. 
when Brexit started at 2 o'clock in the morning on Thursday night, it was going on on Twitter. It wasn't going on on Facebook. It wasn't going on on Snapchat. It was going on on Twitter. Twitter is the first place to go when you get up in the morning and you go to sleep at night. And this is a company that I think is still in the early stages. They have the NFL deal. For you, those of you that don't know, the NFL will be broadcast on Twitter on Thursday nights. So my, my program director here is putting on some music which says that my first show ever is over. I'm going to leave you with this. Brexit is important. It's scary. It's not going to take a minute to heal, but selling off like this creates opportunity. Where you're fearful, you should be greedy. And remember, there's always opportunity to make money. Find companies you love. Look for prices you want to buy them. And when they drop, this is the time to invest. Again, this is Carter Mansback with Word on the Street. You could reach me at 561-290-9400 and at Carter Mansback on Twitter. Have a great day, and it was great talking to you guys, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks.